This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think he's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. This is the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming into your ear holes like velvet bush light on a Wednesday. <laughs> just smooth as shit. Just rolling right in. That sounds amazing i tried to like change my voice to like my sexy voice to really get them hooked at the very beginning (laughs) (laughs) all right this is the first episode of the legend of the woods series we hope you guys enjoys we love hearing these stories did you say enjoys enjoys i hope they enjoys the shit out of this (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna be sweet uh we uh we love hearing the story of these giant bucks shot by uh you know small time guys um is this this the two hundred episode? Yeah, oh, this is a big this dog. This is a two fifteen in Ohio on the first day of bow season. Get oh. out of here, bro! If you don't want to hear that story, just go ahead and click the pause button. Go find something else, <laughs> uh, self life help <laughs> podcast or something. If you want to hear how two hundred shot on the first day, listen, listen in. Uh, let's get into the partners and that make this possible. Shout out with the VIP. That's the the title partner. Um, they just shared a picture on their page <laughs> of some guy. I mean, his face is blurred out, probably for confidential reasons. Um, but I think the, because it was a high fence turkey. The guy looked like a stud. That's all I'm saying. The guy looked like a stud. He looked like he had about a 63 pound turkey. Um, re- the fan was full. Uh, 
Did they? <laughs> so they blurred out his face for the sake of the women. I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure, but uh, I know that that guy was me. <laughs> <laughs> VIP has shared my trophy pick, but they put their logo right over my face. Um, really clean up the picture. Uh, they even cut my beard off. They didn't even they leave did. the beard. I'm like, saying, come on, bro. But I think that was a savage design in the logo to cut off your beard before they even knew yeah. they were going to cut off your beard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I just want to shout out VIP. I mean, they have a lot of fun with. They're an awesome company. Better people running it. Incredible product. I mean, you can't beat it when a guy's going to call you out on their social media <laughs> right? page like that. Um, the friendship we have made with Matt and Cindy is. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you we know, would do without it. You it know was what I mean? probably Cindy behind it. It probably was Cindy. Probably She's was like, Cindy. I shoot the turkeys around here, bro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they should have yes. cropped Cindy's face on that. Matt, that make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, just just wanted to shout them out for that. That was a very good surprise when I woke up this morning. But uh, let's get into the other partners. ECW calls. We hit all the calls all season for the turkeys. Um, what, what are we going to do now? We're going to just... Just, are you going to get a new grunt tube, or are you going to keep keep repping the one you got? Because he redid no. his grunt tubes this yeah. year. I'm getting a new one. Um, <laughs> I blew, I blew the last one so much. You know, I mean, I got to, I got to get a new You're one. You're a grunting son of a gun. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Homie's like two year old. Burp, burp. <laughs> I was. Right, I skipped the VIP veteran broadhead shout out. Let's cut back to that. Uh, I seen the look on homie's face of disgrace when I, was, I skipped it. I was it. like, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, this week's VIP veteran broadhead shout out is Tim Fraley. Um, this was sent in by his son, Jordan. Um, Tim was the 101st Airborne from 1990 to 2008 in the Army, and he did two tours. So, uh, Jordan, first of all, we can't thank you enough for volunteering your father. For the shout out and um, Tim, we appreciate you for your service. And Jordan is a also a VIP family member, so you know all around the board. Um, we appreciate both of you guys for you know sacrificing for this country and um, being able to support an all American company. That is for sure. We appreciate your sacrifice and uh, thanks for giving us a shout out. We love shouting out veterans. If you guys have a shout out. Message us at whitetaillegacypodcast.com. Um, there's a link right there on the page to send, a, send an email directly to us or Facebook. Send us a message, and we'll shout you out. Um, we talked about the Scentlock Beanie a couple episodes ago, oh, but yeah. I really think we should shout this one out. This is for Matt from Last Breath. They got an orange <laughs> beanie right here. That's Scentlock. Um, I probably need to buy one of those. Uh, I'm going to work on that, Matt. Um uh, and uh, I'm also going to get a bigger knife to notch my turkey tags with. But uh, <laughs> uh, check out all your uh, scent lock for all your. Uh, He'll probably come back with Outdoor Edge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He probably will. Yeah. Scent lock's got all your carbon clothing needs. Uh, I'm actually going to get an orange scent lock beanie probably. Yeah. I'm. Just, that's what I told him. I said, you know, a lot of people don't even know that they yeah, have I didn't the, know that, the yeah. orange beanie, but it, it has been a new addition. Um, I'm pretty sure they got orange vests, too, coming. Yes. I'm pretty excited about that. They do. A little sneak peek. A little sneak peek coming out the door. I'm going to say, we are leaking a lot of deets about the scent lock gear on here. I mean, you guys just, if you pay attention, you're going to know. You're going to know everything. Yeah. 
don't, uh, think, I don't think we're allowed. <laughs> but, I'm yeah, not really sure. We're sending it. We're sending it. Um, all right, let's see. Ingram's outdoor obsession. So, I have a real turkey in my freezer right now. The full turkey? A full turkey. <laughs> Did you stuff him up? <laughs> no. Dude, over Mother's Day, like I had the in-laws over, you know. Did you break it out, show them? <laughs> I, I almost did. Um, they're they're like, well, you know, what 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 what? I'm like, yeah, it's like full body. You just put it right in the freezer after you shoot it. You take some nice pics, you know, cool kid camo. You put it in there, boom, it's done. So brought it home in a cooler, stuffed it right in the freezer downstairs. Make sure I had a had a shelf all clear. So uh, he's gonna be going to Ingram's. Um, I called Ingram and. He said he's going to be taking the class for full body turkeys in September. And um, after That's going to be uh, sick, bro. After a little debate, uh, I said, "Well, hey man, you're going to have one waiting on you." And um, that was that was pretty much it, you know. So, he's going to do the class and I can't wait to 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 get him back, you know. It's it just it's going to be a, a nice project for him and It'll be my first full body turkey. So. Yeah, no, that's epic. I wish I had the room for a full body turkey. I know. I, I really don't have the room. It's just probably Gotta my. Gotta make it happen. It's just, yeah, it's just my probably only uh, situation that I would go to hunt a Rio turkey. Other than that, we're going to we'll go again. Well, 85 times. It, minimal. It, <laughs> if I had to choose, I would go to hunt a Miriam. I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to shoot one of those peacock oh, turkeys. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Trust me, I'll go to others. You one of them. <laughs> then we'll just drink margaritas afterwards. Dude. <laughs> Being two bushes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, Ingram's going to be mounting a, a real turkey as his first full body, and um, you guys are going to see it as soon as it's done. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoy the show. We're going to get right into it. All right. Here we go, guys. First one of the series, we got Ethan Featheroff, who shot a absolute monster last deer season. How's it going tonight, Ethan? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? Doing good. Uh, you don't know, but we're starting a... Uh, the Legends of the Woods series on our podcast during the off season to really get people uh, pumped up for the deer season coming up, and yours is definitely a legend. Um, how many? I mean, just so many points on that thing. How many scoreable points did it have? I had nineteen scoreable points. Man, just so much time link that looked like a forest in there. <laughs> right, added yeah, them all up. Yeah, that, that's the thing about it. You know, you get a lot of these two hundred inch deer, and it's a lot of kickers, and this thing is just purely time link. That's there's, there's really no kickers. I mean, they call them to have normal points, but they're all vertical. So that's awesome, man. So we definitely we wanted to have you come on. We appreciate you spending the time with us. We want to get your story of uh, how you uh, ended up catching up to this buck. But let's just do a introduction, your age, and uh, where you live and what you do for a living. Yeah, man. I'll actually be a 29 this month, a 28. So uh, well, happy your birthday, early birthday. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, I actually do construction for a living, and uh, I run a couple of my own web pages. And I, I got started into the industry basically through shooting this deer. Um, I, I've been doing this for probably like four years, running my own web pages and trying to be successful, and you know, kind of just bring kids into the hunting world and you know, share my love for the outdoors with them. And uh, through me harvesting this deer, we've really been able to do that and accomplish some good things and give back to the community and. Uh, I'm hoping I can get to the point where I'm doing that, uh, for my career. So yeah, that'd be badass, man. It's awesome how shooting this deer opened some doors for you. It definitely got, we, uh, 
we were we weren't even hunting yet and i was like someone's already dropped a 200 and we can't even get <laughs> right. in a stand so uh i kind of followed you through social media and uh, i knew that we were going to be putting one of these together at some point so i'm uh, yeah. glad you decided to come on and worked with us with the scheduling and everything so uh let's start off with you know i like i like to hear the history of a deer so start off with uh you know did you have any history with this deer or okay so the, the crazy thing about this was i was going to a property that i've hunted all my life and i knew it was a really good property and i knew there was and i have to apologize for the noise in the background <laughs> oh no you're fine no big deal but uh, i i went onto this property with the intent to hunt about 160 inch eight pointer and uh i set my cameras out at the beginning of june and uh next thing i know that 200 incher was the first deer that showed up on my camera and he was actually showing up with the deer that i had intended to hunt and as you know once you see a 200 inch deer on your camera kind of i forgot about the eight pointer a little bit yeah for sure and uh to be honest with you this is the first year i had got him on camera at least to my knowledge unless I just didn't recognize him from previous years. And um, from there, I just kind of started uh, doing little things that I didn't do because this isn't my first time going after a 200 inch deer. I made a lot of mistakes on another one a couple years ago that I learned to, you know, do the right thing with this one. Uh, like I was telling you earlier, one of the key things for me was only checking my cameras when it rained because I felt like it really kept my scent down. I always feel like deer, deer, you know, if you go walking through your house with your boots on and then you pick some scent up and then it's on the ground, like they smell that. And I noticed that with a lot of my trail camera videos that deer were always like sniffing the ground right where I was standing. And then it would kind of just like startle them or they jump back a little bit. So I really made it a key this year to not let that happen. Yeah, we, we do that also. Uh big rainstorms coming i'm always sending snapchats i'm out there <laughs> lightning and stuff yeah. i'm like getting the card pole <laughs> you know i mean it's something that you gotta do to yeah so i like our season starts real late compared to a lot of people's september 29th so i kind of thought you know maybe he's going to be off his feeding pattern so one thing i wanted to do and a lot of people say like, no no don't do that don't try to find his bedding area because you're going to get him there and put sin in there and bump him off I was like, well, it's early in the season. I'm going to wait till it rains, and I'm just going to start taking these trail cams and just trickle them back into the woods farther and farther on trails, at least to have an idea where he's coming from. And as I did that, I, I started finding him farther and farther and farther back in the woods. And then, you know, I'd find him at, like, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, okay, this deer's bedding somewhere back in here. So I was kind of able to use that knowledge because – I kind of thought, well, if he's not going to come out into the field during hunting hours, I'm going to beat him to it, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, we tried to do sure. that this year on a buck, and uh, we hung him, what, 100 yards apart, and we never got a trail cam picture on the second camera yeah. of him. <laughs> yeah. So we bread trailed him for about 400 yards and completely lost him. So. so I started doing that, you know, just, I guess for me, just like a fallback if this deer did decide to leave the field. But uh, I got really lucky, man, because I checked my camera a week before the season started. And sure enough, he was really holding true to that pattern. I mean, for some reason, if it rained, he'd be out in the field three o'clock in the afternoon. 
he'd be out there eating with that big eight pointer. <clears throat> and then, like I said, the, the night that I shot him, I shot him at about 645. The first buck that came out was that big eight pointer. And granted that that was the deer that I had intended to hunt originally. And he looks so impressive. I'll have to send you guys some pictures of him as well. He was just such a big framey deer. I'm like, oh, am I making the right choice? I don't see the 200 incher and this monster standing right by me. And so you're like thinking, do I let him go or not? Well, <laughs> I made the choice to just sit there and watch for a couple of minutes. I looked up behind him and there he popped right out of the woods. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> that made the choice a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. And, and um, so I was self-filming, and uh, I'm I'm no professional filmer by any means. Don't I put clap. my camera, I put my camera down kind of low and to the left because I wanted to like swing it around my side to be like able to kind of look down my bow when I'm shooting. Well, <clears throat> I reached around to grab the camera. The big eight was probably 25 yards from me. The other one was about 30. They were both coming right at me. As soon as I swung that camera around, they both looked up at me. Uh, my heart started to sink because they were getting ready to, like, turn to walk back into the woods. And he got to about 35 yards quartering away, and I ducked under a branch, and I just gave him the classic, meh. <laughs> and uh, I let that arrow fly, man, and I seen it go right behind his shoulder perfectly. It didn't pass all the way through, so I was a little bit worried, but I was like, man, that would just look like one of the best shots you could put on a deer. <clears throat> so I waited, you know, I, it was an emotional moment. Like the first thing I wanted to do was like, I, I got down on my stand. I just sat down on the tree, said a little prayer, like, God, let me get this deer. <clears throat> and then I called my dad and I said, I think I just got him tearing up, you know, like uh, he's like, got, got what? He's like, what are you talking about? I was, you know what I mean? Like I was scatterbrained. He's like, what happened? Uh, I was like, I just got the 200 inch deer. I'm pretty confident. And, uh, then I called one of my best friends and told him and we were all celebrating. And then my brother came and <clears throat> we walked up in the woods, 30 yards, man. He was laying there dead. And I was just, <laughs> it was a sign of relief for sure. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Didn't go very far then. That's, that's awesome. No, like I love them quartering I, away shots like that. Yeah. Man. When I, when I actually shot him <clears throat> and I opened him up and was looking at him the the arrow the broadhead about six inches of it with the broadhead was perfectly snapped off in the center of his heart i got a really cool picture of that too it's i was just thinking to myself man of all the deer i've messed up on i i felt like this was just god saying your time's coming man just be patient hang in there and it'll happen and then you know, here I am, I got a magnificent animal like that. So it's hard to be upset with all the mistakes I've made before. You just learn from it and you get better. So you said this isn't your first 200 inch deer on cam. Um, I want to go back to the first 200 inch deer you had on cam. What, because not a lot of people get the opportunity of having a 200 incher on cam. Um, You know, what were you thinking and feeling when you had your first 200 incher on camera? I was a little bit younger at the time and I was just thinking, Oh my gosh. Like I was just so ready to get out there and hunt this deer. The way I actually discovered this deer, I discovered him before I put uh, trail cams out 
I was just out walking through the fields, you know, one summer afternoon and I walked up, popped around a cornfield. There was a bean field and I'm just staring at, there was five or six different bucks. And then one of them, I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like that thing had, I can't remember how many points he had. I think he's 17 or something like that. I've got a tons of pictures of him. And I saw him out there in the field. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put some cameras out here and really see what this thing is. And I was humbly surprised when I seen how big he actually was. And then the mistake I made on that one was it was in a spot that was really easy to get to. And I just wanted to go out and see if he was there every night. You know, I would set, I set a stand up probably like three or 400 yards out and I would just climb up in that tree and watch him every night. I, it was just the temptation knowing he was there. I could easily get up and see him. And I think I just, he caught on to, Hey, somebody's watching me all the time. <laughs> and, um, uh, I actually went out on the first afternoon to try and hunt him. And sure enough, he did come out. He came out with also a big eight pointer, but they, <laughs> they knew exactly where I was feeding him. And I, I tried to hunt right over, uh, some trophy rock and some corn that I had put out and he didn't want anything to do with that. The closer it got to the season, he completely avoided it. He swung out about 80 yards away from my stand and went out into the middle of the bean field with the other big deer. Like they, they just had me figured out, you know, it was a chess game and they won that type of thing. But like I said, I was able to use that knowledge on my next adventure at a 200 inch deer and not make the same mistakes, not go in there too much. And I, like I said, I added a lot of tactics, like one of them being my stand was right on the edge of a Creek and I was trying to just be so scent free that I would actually, when, when I knew when it was time to come hunting, I was just going to walk the Creek entirely, entirely through, which I had on my muck boots and the Creek was maybe shin deep. So I just walked through in my boots. I didn't even care if my feet got wet. <laughs> I got up in there and I sat in that stand and I waited for that deer <laughs> and I, all those little things, man, I think they added to my success of being able to harvest that deer. And another one that I was briefly uh, texting you about earlier was I knew where this deer was coming out and I knew it was going to be my wind. My wind was going to be blown right into his nose. I, I knew that was a bad and most people would say, oh, don't hunt that deer. But I also knew right up behind me in the woods was this oil well and every time i would get in that stand i would just sit there and imagine myself killing this deer and i'm like man that that smell is just blowing out into this field so hard like i don't believe that that deer could smell anything but that and i really think that was a huge key in me being able to shoot a 200 inch deer downwind i mean either that or god just really wanted me to have this animal <laughs> probably a little bit of both yeah we we uh I mean homie hunt right by a hog confinement and if you get a north or northwest wind that's all you can smell so i think that has a, a part to our success too is because those deer they can still win you but they don't they're like overpowered by one smell so much that they're not as keen as an yeah, other yeah, deer on other property I you say, know? and it's so perfect because that's the wind you need to hunt that stand yeah so you got the perfect wind to hunt there and the hog smell Cover coming scent, in yeah yeah so it's so bad like when you get in the truck you feel like it's like your scent lock it's just absorbed dude hog crap. It, it's it's real <laughs> it's, so, it's real but uh yeah i I've, I've been blessed to live in ohio where we just have some absolute giants you know like i i've been fortunate um the past four years in a row i've shot a really nice bucket 
And it's like I said, just being able to live in a place where they're at is key, you know. But for me, I guess it's not really about just just shooting a big buck because I, I love hunting and I, I love putting meat in the freezer just like any other, you know, redneck does. <laughs> but I guess one of the things I really really want to stress to people, like, yes, I'm an accomplished hunter and I've shot some nice deer, but like every, everyone nowadays, it just seems like they're bashing someone that would go out and maybe shoot like a, a one or a two-year-old deer. If, if that makes you happy and, and you feel accomplished, then who am I to take that away from you? Like, I'm proud for you. I'm happy for you that you were able to, able to accomplish your goal and harvest an animal. Like we, we don't all have to have the same goals. You know what I mean? This is life. We can live our own and be happy. Yeah. And you know, another thing that people like to do just in this basically same scenario is bash on somebody because they only gun hunt or they use a crossbow or you yeah, know, man, they're getting into trad and now compounds getting a bad rap, you know, go hunt with what you want to hunt with. And you know, as long as you got the proper tag and you're wearing the right clothing and, you know, go out and shoot whatever you want to shoot, man. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy that, you know, some people think like that. Like, I mean, I I take it in phases because I, I love every part of hunting. Not, I mean, archery is honestly, yes, it's my favorite, but I, I love it all, man. Like, if, I, if I'm not successful with my bow, I want to be out there with my gun when that starts trying to accomplish the same mission that I started at the beginning of the season. Like I, to me, it's no lesser of an accomplishment depending on what you do it with. You know what I mean? You still put the time in and you work hard to accomplish your goal. Yeah, that's, yep. That's for sure. That's what I had to do. I was like, Cody's the gun guy here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had, I, I hunted a buck three years in a row with a bow and hunted him hard the third year with a bow and homie hunted him hard with a bow. And then I ended up getting it done with a butt with a gun at 50 yards. Yep. Yeah. So, that's how it goes, but hey, it doesn't look any worse on my wall with a gun. I'll tell <laughs> right. you that right now. Yeah, absolutely so. not, man. So, Ethan, um, with the deer you shot this year, you had said that you had found a pattern um, right up to season. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit on this pattern? Because um, for me, a pattern has been hard to establish um, with a specific deer. Yeah, like how I was, like I said, how I was able to pattern this deer, like like I said, just trickling cameras farther back in and finding the trails and, you know, being able to see him before he came out into the field was a huge success on my part because you guys know as well as I do, a lot of times you're hunting a field and you're like, okay, uh, you, you got 50 pictures of this buck coming out on this side. And then next thing you know, you're sitting here and he's on the other side of the field. You're like, well, what in the world? Yeah. <laughs> but like a, a thing that I, I figured out, which, which tricked me a lot of times was I would put a camera out in the field, facing into a field and I'd be like, okay, that buck's coming from this side because I got him at a decent time. <laughs> well, that's just far from the truth, man. Like that buck could be standing in the field at three o'clock and you think he's, yeah, he's coming out right there somewhere. And he could have ran all the way across the field to that because I've noticed a lot of times in these big open fields, these bucks, when, when they hit that open spot, they run to get to where they want to go because they don't like to just lollygag through that field. They want to get to where they feel comfortable and safe. So I was like, I'm going to put a camera on every trail that comes around this field and see where this deer is actually coming out and then follow him back into the woods and see what what his trails are, what his regular habits were. And there there would be times where he would come out on the other side of the field 
<laughs> but kind of what, what I was able to do was uh, use my trail cam picks and I would sit there and write down like, okay, he's coming from this trail at this time. And by doing that, like I just calculated up which one is he using most consistently. And that's the one I'm going to sit by when he, and hope that he comes to that out into the field. And that, that, you know, I took the chance of, okay, he's, he's coming through this one the most. That's where I'm going to sit outside of this trail. And that was the one he came out on. So that was, I mean, for me, that's one way that helps. I don't know how, how you guys like to do it or what your I think that's a great that. idea to run multiple cams around a field instead of, you know, being in Ohio where you could bait. A lot mm-hmm. of guys I feel like would put their bait pile out and then be like, okay, this buck is using this bait pile, but have no really clue of how he's accessing that field. Oh, they just boom, he's right in front of the cam. Yeah. With you putting them all the way around that field and then tracking them back, you had a really good idea, one, of where he was coming to the field, two, how to access the field, and three, to know where he's not going to wind you. You know, But like you said, you hunted, you shot him coming in downwind, so that's pretty awesome <laughs> right there. But uh, I've had, I know a few guys who shot bucks like that, but I'm such a timid hunter that I would, I wouldn't have shot that deer. <laughs> but uh, I, I tell you a couple of things that I noticed early in the season too, was I was getting pictures of this deer and this, there's a really high hill. And then there's just this point that runs all the way out to the middle of these, these two fields, one bottom field, one top field. And this field or the, this point got logged out about four years ago and it just got so thick in there. Like you almost can't walk through it. Well, I would drive my quad all the way up around it, and I would always, I always, I don't know about you guys, but every time I go into the woods, like, I'm constantly staring at the dirt, like, looking for buck tracks or what, or just deer tracks in general. Mm-hmm. Well, I would always go up around the top of this field, like, okay, there's, there's no tracks, and then I'd get down to the bottom, and I would check my cameras, I would start seeing that buck on there, but then I'd, I'd drive back around to the top, and I'd be like, good lord, there's giant tracks coming right through this top field, like, and that was another thing that triggered me, like, okay, that deer might be bedding in there because every time I drove around that point, I think he was running out the top because <laughs> those, those tracks were just going crazy across there every time I got back up in that field. So I knew I was bumping deer out of there. So that was also like one of my, I guess, one of my clues to finding his bed. Nice. So how, how far away from his bed do you think you killed him? I'd say I was no more than honestly a, 80 yards from where he was bedded when I, when I shot him. And again, I know that people are like, you're crazy. Why did you even try to get in that close? <clears throat> well, because like I said, there was a lot of noise going on in there and I knew it was so thick that he couldn't see me nor hear me because I was using my surroundings, the sound of the oil well, the Creek running being really loud. And I just would follow, you know, like I said, I followed the S pattern of the Creek down in there and just stayed low got up in my stand, waited for him to come out. <laughs> and like I said, those things work for me. So Yeah, I shot one. Homie knows how close it is on that north, the oh, north yeah. back stand. I mean, it's 70 yards to where this buck was betting, 80 mm-hmm. yards, just like that. And uh, super windy, raining. I got in there right after the rain quit. He got up. I shot him with almost three hours of daylight left, just like your buck. You know, if you can get in there on their bed, and it wasn't near as early as yours. It was the 15th. Yeah, only two weeks later. Yeah, two weeks later. But, I mean, if you can get in there and find their bed and figure out a way to access it like you do, 
And if you got the right conditions where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this one time and I'm going to kill him. I think I called you or someone. I'm like, I'm going yeah. in here to kill this deer. I'm not going in here to hunt him. I'm going in to kill him. You know, it's either I'm yeah. killing him or I'm bumping him. So I think that's probably well, the, one of the major reasons you were successful. Instead of waiting on the field edge, you went in there and, and because I mean, one thing I'd like to ask is he shed velvet by the picks, correct? Yeah. So yeah. after he shed velvet, did he did his pattern change any? Was he showing any aggression to that eight pointer or anything like that? <clears throat> no, he was he was buddies with that eight pointer man. He didn't bother him at all. Like um, <clears throat> one thing I noticed when they started shedding velvet was it was it was weird because like I I don't generally see scrapes that early, but these two bucks were just they would start making scrapes like crazy, just letting other deer know that hey we're the big dogs around here. You don't come to our area. But I, I kept my cameras running through the whole time, whole, whole process. And I, I had so many, I have pictures of them in velvet with, or without a velvet, excuse me, with a bloody rack. I mean, I have some really cool pictures of him That's where sweet. his rack is just completely red. He stuck so consistently to that bottom field, but this field is just one of those spots where any like hunter would look at it and say, okay, I'm going to shoot a nice deer down here. <laughs> it's surrounded by woods big bean field way back off the roads i mean it's everything a big deer wants there's there's a creek right there there's big oaks there was no reason for the deer to leave and one of the things that really helped me out is all the surrounding properties this year that were corn fields or bean fields they all just decided hey we're gonna not plant our fields this year and put cows in them i was wow. like i was like thank you thank you thank everybody <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it was yeah. it was a bean field he was frequenting, correct? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then, yeah, and, well, you shot him September 29th. Were those beans still green at all? Were they brown or they were they were extremely green? This field and another thing uh, to my advantage was it floods a lot, so they plant this field late. Mm, and nice. Like I said, those beans were so green by the time the season started. I mean, they were really just getting to the point where they were looking good. I see. I think with all the rain we've had this year, that's how this year is going to go. And the bad thing about it is, you know, if the beans are in, the corn's still going to be in. Mm -hmm. So they're just going to be hanging out in the corn. So I hope October is not just, you know, complete garbage. Yeah. Yeah. One one thing I've always prided myself on is I am an early season hunter. I put so much time in in the off season. I mean, like I'm scouting right now for the opportunity to be able to harvest another deer you know like that just uh, if you want to be able to accomplish those things you got to put in the work i mean it doesn't come easy <clears throat> people will go out with me and want to hunt with me and our set stands with me and they're like this dude's crazy because when i set stands i don't know about you guys but they'll they'll, they'll look at it and be like oh that's a good tree right there and I, i'm like give me a minute i'm i'm looking at that tree and i'm going to walk around that tree and look at it from every angle if i'm in a low point what I, what I like to do is like, I'll go up on the hill where I, I think that deer might come down and I'll look down at that tree and I'll see what trees are blocking this tree's deer path when I'm walking down this trail to where it won't see me. Like those are the things that I'm always taking into account to be able to harvest mature deer. Yeah. That's, a lot of people, that's what me and homies say a lot is sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, you're good. I was just saying a lot of people don't think about those things. You know, they're just like, Oh, this looks like a deer passing here. Let me put it on this tree. But Really, you need to think about when that deer is looking up, can he see me? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Me and homie always say there's a tree 
there might be a good tree, but it might not be the kill tree, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's some spots where we have to set in a good tree and we can't set in the kill tree just because it's, it's not feasible. The tree, you know, doesn't have enough cover or something just like you said. So sometimes the right spot isn't the right spot. Just like you're saying, if it's, if they're going to spot you before they even get you to you, it it, it ain't going to work. Yeah. This, but, this um, wasp is coming at me, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting yeah, sidetracked yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I had a wasp just dive bomb me, but so that's crazy that he didn't uh, change his pattern after he shed velvet. The bucks around here, uh, man, after they shed velvet, it's just a. I mean, it's, it's a, a free for all for a couple weeks, and I've, then it just yeah. seems like it seems like as soon as they go shed velvet. You know, all your bucks disappear on cams for a couple of weeks, and then next thing you know, they start showing back up. But it's like one thirty a.m. Yeah, just yeah. like oh, the shed like, velvet time okay. to go nocturnal. Yep. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. Like I said, uh, like like I said, I'm I'm pretty much a madman when it comes to hunting. Like I put I just put in so much time because it's what I love to do, and I I want to get to the point where I'm doing it for a living. And I've been lucky enough and fortunate to get in with some good people and now I'm starting to work my way towards that and do a lot of, you know, paid events that, that are hunting related or just, uh, like I said, just to be able to do that stuff's awesome, man. Uh, hopefully I can continue to have the success and share stories with people and, uh, inspire them to, you know, want to chase their dreams. You know, like, like I tell everybody, man, like everybody around here, they see me, they'll come and shake my hand, congratulate me. I, I tell them, to, it's just like anything. If I can do it, you can do it. You know, it's just putting in the time. For sure. I mean, I, I, I didn't see you at ATA. Was your buck there? Yeah. Yeah. Man. I was in the killer, Dang. I was in the killer food plots booth. Killer food. Plot. I didn't hear a word about that buck, but I heard the one, I heard the new world record, obviously. Yeah. But we went to yeah, any giant. I think I walked past the killer food plot booth, but I didn't go over there and check it out. Mm -mm. Dang it. Missed my opportunity. <laughs> You'll be there this year, right? Or next year, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to have my deer there this year, but I'll, I'll definitely be there in person. All right, well, we'll meet up, man. I'd like to meet you. Yeah, I I just, it's been kind of overwhelming taking my deer out and just, like, I just want to have it home for, like, just <laughs> a, a little bit, you know? I feel you. How long did it take to, to get it mounted and back? Uh, I'm I'm great friends with my taxidermy. I, I feel like... Uh, I bring them so much business. Uh, I keep them running sometimes, you know, for sure between, between all my friends and everyone that I know, but I, he had it done in a week. He's really good at getting my stuff done for me because he understands my situation and I, we have a good relationship and I feel like, you know, me being able to have the success and like, I, I love to get his name out there. Uh, Mike Truex with Rush Creek Taxidermy, man, he does some of the best work around. Um, what what's his uh what's his uh location and social get him out there for real <laughs> yeah man he uh his shop is here in uh, bremen ohio and it's a uh, 43107 um but uh yeah man if anybody's listening they they need to get a deer down in ohio mike truex is the man rush creek ammo and taxidermy nice he's the man in he, ohio hey. he yeah can man, mount a 215 he can mount anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah well first thing he told me he was like man he's like i'll be honest with you you bring a 200 inch deer to my shop he's like you gotta keep the rack at your house until it's done 
Yeah, I had I mine sitting here for a while, and then I finally <laughs> took it up there. Had it yeah. had it hidden in the basement. <laughs> He'll see, Cody sent a Snapchat. He's driving down the road, got it all seat belted in and stuff. <laughs> yeah. One of the biggest things, though, I think, uh, I guess I should say, is like that. On, in all honesty, like there is no difference in hunting a hundred and fifty inch five year old eight pointer to hunting a two hundred inch twenty pointer that's the same age. The only difference is the antlers on its head. So you, you, you just need to not get overwhelmed and, you know, get irrational and do things that you wouldn't do for another deer. Like stay smart, stay to your game, do what works best for you. Yeah, I could agree with that. That's yeah. true. I mean, <laughs> because we... I, to be honest with you guys, this deer, like previous deer, my heart has pounded so much. And I had, I had made mistakes. Like for instance, last year, I was hunting a really big deer and I saw him coming and there was about 10 deer ahead of him, some smaller bucks and some does. And they were all, you know, chasing the does. I let every one of those deer walk by me. And I, when those deer walked by, I could have easily stood up. They were behind my stand and shot them. Well, here comes the big deer. My heart's pounding. My brain's not thinking. So what do I do? I do something different than I did with all the other deer. I stand straight up while he's walking at me. And we're on a hillside, and I'm thinking, why did I just do that? I just let every other deer walk by me, and I would have had an easy shot at him. Well, I stood up, and he busted me. I was thinking, <laughs> sitting there thinking to myself, well, that was dumb. <laughs> you just let all those other deer walk by and stood up on this one and made a big mistake. Like, just little things like that. If you can, you know, process it before it happens, and that's what I was able to do with this one. I, I was so calm when it actually happened. <laughs> I, I, I went out here every night and I imagined shooting that deer. I would practice every night. I, I would shoot the weirdest distances, you know, like instead of just shooting your basic 20, 30, 40, whatever, I would shoot 22 and a half, uh, 27 and a half, 36 and a half, 35, just cause I wanted to know like, okay, I, I shoot four pins, 20, 30, 40. And I wanted to know, um, 20, 30, 40, 50, sorry. But I, I wanted to know, each one of those pins, like if he was at 55, should I be using like my 50 and aiming high or aim right on? If he was at 35, should I use my 40 and aim high or aim low, or excuse me, aim low, those type of things. And I honed that in so well, man, that I, I had zero doubt that if this deer walked past me within 50 yards, I was going to harvest this deer because I, I just knew my bow so well. And I think that's a huge key to it too like don't just practice the basics practice everything like situational stuff that is actually going to happen in a hunting situation yeah i we always say confidence is key man if you aren't confident in your brain while you're in the stand with your gear with your spot you're yeah. not you're not in it to win it and it, it won't work out i've been there on giant deer where i wasn't confident and I got gloves on. I never shoot with gloves. I got a hood up. I never shoot with a hood up. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. And now like, I stopped this deer with all this stuff on and I got to make a shot and I make a poor shot. So I've been, I've been there. So you practicing all those distances when you shot that deer, you were confident and knowing, Oh yeah, I know exactly what I need to do. You know? And, um, I, I guess the thing I haven't even told you guys yet, and maybe you've already heard it was, before I shot this deer at the beginning of the summer and all this, I dislocated my shoulder. 
I tore my bicep and I, I had a bone spur. I, I could barely pull my bow back, but I just kept pushing myself and pushing myself to be able to do this. As like, I would, I would go in the garage and I would lift weights, just try to strengthen my arm. Even though my bicep was torn, I'm like, I'm not taking no shortcuts. And, um, a week after I harvested this deer, I went in and had to get that operation and get my bicep fixed and, uh, my shoulder fixed. So I, if I would have gotten that surgery before, I wouldn't even have been able to pull back my bow to be able to get this deer. <laughs> so it was, a, it was emotional just for all the build up to it. Like, I didn't even know if by the time the season started that I could even pull back my bow to shoot this deer. But yeah, that is crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just I, the emotions of that big of a deer and putting all that work in and then getting it together, let alone, you know, you not even know if you're going to be able to hunt because of an injury. Uh, yeah. Uh, like I, I have to, you know, like I said, give some credit to God because he, he must've really wanted me to get this deer. Cause he knew I was hurting and he knew everything I was going through. He's like, Hey, just stick with me. We're going to get this thing done on the first day, man. And <laughs> that's <laughs> epic, <laughs> man. The it first happens. day you just hang it up. You're like, yeah, I, I think I'm good. Two two fifteen. That's solid. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that'll that'll do. That'll do. Did, so. did you uh, uh, did you shoot any does thing. last year? Did did I shoot any does last year? I did. I shot two does. I went. I I hardly hunted for myself after I shot this deer. <clears throat> I wanted to take my friends out and just celebrate the season with them and my family and help them all be successful and. Once we got past that, I went out, you know, got a late gun season and I shot two deer with that. Nice. So yeah, man, three deer. I couldn't, couldn't have asked for a better season. For sure. It's perfect I, season. I was, Fill the freezer and shoot a monster. Can't beat that. Yeah. I've, I've came a long way in my life, man. I'm just <clears throat> with everything. Uh, I've shared this story with several people and, uh, 2014, I almost lost my life in a work accident. I had the whole left side of my face shattered and uh, tore a bunch of ligaments in my neck and all that stuff. And I was messed up for the better part of three years. And like I said, I, I wasn't even sure if I was ever going to be able to do this again, man. And uh, through all that process, I got married. I had two beautiful children and it's just, you never know where life's going to take you, man. So you just got to keep your head up and stay positive and, you know, take some time to thank God and, just be happy with what you got, man, because it can be gone just like that before you know it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, congrats to you for, you know, having a positive mindset and, you know, not giving up and taking every day with its own challenges. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Um, um, me like, and homie try to soak everything. We're dads, we're husbands, you know, we work and yeah. then we deer hunt. It's like dad, husband, deer hunt, and then work. Podcast. Yeah, podcast is in there somewhere. <laughs> Other than that. But yeah, we try to soak everything in, um, make as many friends as possible, and we try to have as literally as much fun in whatever we do as physically mm -hmm. possible. That's our main thing. And uh, yeah, man, that, like that's been the main thing for me. Like since, since I shot this year, and like I said, I I'm to the point now in my hunting career where I just feel like anything else that happens great in my hunting career is just a icing on the cake, man. The the only thing I really want to do now is just be able to share my stories and, and inspire, you know, other people to chase their dreams and just have a positive outlook on life. And hopefully that, you know, when they leave from talking to me, they're just like, man, that guy really had an impact on my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to start doing the things that I love and just continue to go at it, you know? 
that's a that's a great yeah. message, man. You know, so uh, one thing I want to cover, um, we like to we like I like to ask this. You know, what what was your if you could pick one tactic that you think made you successful on this deer, what was the major key to putting this deer on the ground? The major key. Oh man, there's so many things that I could think of. It's hard to pick just one to be honest with you. I, I guess in a sense, not even just knowing this deer, um, I would say just learning from your previous mistakes, you know, to make you become a better hunter. That's good, it's, man. Yeah. It's how I would say it. <laughs> so in a sense, that's not one thing, but it is, you know, because you, yeah. just, you put it all together and then you have a successful recipe, I guess. Yeah. All the mistakes on the last year had you out there shooting your bow every day, all the mm-hmm. different yardage, you know, yeah, trying to get absolutely. that confidence. And, you know, if you might not, if you might want to win out there five less nights, you might not have been successful. You know, you, you never know. Yeah. And I think that's a great tactic, you know, just learn from your previous mistakes. I've done that. Homie's done that. You know, it just, yeah. it's something that people don't bring up a lot as a tactic, you know, yep. though. So I and think that is super solid. What, one thing I jotted down here was, you know, slowing down. You had, you had said that. And <clears throat> that's one thing that I've tried to do here the last, you know, three, four, five years is any encounter that I have, you know, because you look back on it and you're like, oh man, dude, that happened so fast. But really, I mean, even Cody with, with your deer this year, you're like, I feel like he was screaming through the woods, but he wasn't, you know, he was just kind of trotting and, you know, your, your brain, you know, you have to process it. And, you know, just like you had said, Ethan, you know, you got to be able to process and slow it down and be able to think about, you know, what you need to do. Do you need to stand up before this deer gets to you or, you know, don't, don't let him get to the shooting lane before you're at full draw, you know, and sure enough, you know, as you learn, it's probably from a mistake that you made on a previous deer and you had a really good encounter and you just didn't get it done. And that seems like the most time of when we learn the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. And like I said, like one of the biggest things. I, and one of the biggest keys is just controlling your emotion. Like if you can control your emotion through the hunt, just, and just let it all out after, I promise you will be a much more successful hunter. It's taken me, like I said, I'm about to turn 29. I've been hunting since I was four years old. It's taken me this long to be able to do that. And now that I've got to that point, man, I just think, why couldn't I do that before? And and I (laughs) still, I still get a little flustered every now and again, and I still make mistakes. We're human. We're all hunters. You can't predict everything a deer is going to do. But I I like to think that I have definitely gotten better just based on the success that I've had in the past several years, you know, just being able to harvest a nice animal every year, whether it's 130 inches or a 200-inch buck, you know. For sure, yeah. Consistency is key, man. If you can get it done year after year, you you got something figured out somewhere, you know what I mean? that yeah, is making I, you successful yeah I, I i attribute a lot of it just a lot of it just to when i was a kid you know like i loved being outside i would i would go out and before i was even shooting a bow i would just walk through the woods and i would look at deer sign and i would look at trails and a lot of times i would just sit there and watch deer like how are they using these trails and why are they using them what's their reaction to what am what i'm doing or where i'm at 
and those types of things. And <laughs> I was, I started off, um, the first three years of my actual archery hunting career, I shot <laughs> my first buck. I shot a 12 pointer. Then I shot another 12 pointer then a nice eight pointer. And <clears throat> you know how my, my, your family's always like, Oh, that's beginner's luck. That's beginner's luck. <laughs> I, I've just, I've continued to do it. And now it's just, everybody's like, man, that guy must be doing something right. Like, what is he doing that we're not doing? I, and I, the little things I think that are making me successful at it is I'm out there in the summer. I'm watching these deer, not just, like I said, not just them eating in the field, but I'm studying and remembering where they're coming from to get to that field and how fast they're moving, you know, those types of things will all trickle down to you having the success that you need. And one thing I truly believe in that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people will tell you, well, that deer went nocturnal. That deer didn't go nocturnal. He lives outside. Where can he go? He's just somewhere else. <laughs> and like I said, if, if you have the property, you know, where you could chase him or you can find him, it's like people will get stuck to, you know, wanting to hunt that one stand because they saw that deer there mm. when really you should have done what I was doing earlier in the season, taking your trail cams farther back in and figuring out where that deer was coming from. So you could get a chance at him before it got dark. Yeah. That's always been our biggest struggle is we take, we take the trail, we figure out the deer all the way to the neighbor's fence line. And then we were <laughs> like, well, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah I've, I've had, quite a few of those and that those are stressful there's nothing you can do about that other other than that i don't know how the laws are where you guys live if there's options as far as like baiting or putting in food plots or those types of things to help that deer want to stay on your property like sometimes it's just giving that deer a reason to stay like for instance uh last year i shot 100 it's like 135 inch eight uh, it was a beautiful eight pointer, nice, wide, decently thick racked eight point. <clears throat> but he had been one of the better deer that I had cam on camera all year. And he was just a dominant buck. And anytime another buck came in the area, he would run him off. Like he did not want any other deer on his territory. Well, being that I realized this was a real aggressive deer, <clears throat> I started making mock scrapes early in the season. And I, I would take a, I would set a dripper above it, you know, on a timer. Mm-hmm to make this thing drip <laughs> every day during daylight hours. And I started it with a, you know, a pre mock scrape, uh, dopey. And then I went to full out estrus the closer it got to October, November. <clears throat> and I knew that buck being a aggressive buck, like he wanted to come in and check that and be like, Hey, no other bucks coming in here, checking out my does. And sure enough, I mean, that, I, I drew him in on that mock scrape. He came in and he was hitting that scrape and I went and sat over that scrape and I killed that deer because I would even put a little bit of buck pee in there to make him think, Hey, there's another buck in my territory. He really didn't like that. Sealed the deal. Yeah. Sealed the deal on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. It was, it was pretty cool. It took me a little bit longer. I shot him on the 9th of November, but, uh, it worked, man. It just, little things like that, knowing the time of the year and what you can do to attract that deer to your property. Yeah. We can't bait, but we are, we can plant food plots and we do, and uh, we're going bigger this year mm -hmm. and trying to do some extra stuff, throw some different stuff at them, try it, you know, a little bit different property, throw a little food plot here 
Um, that's about all we can do, but that's our biggest thing is if we get a buck on trail cam, it's a traveling buck. He's not coming to that area to feed and we run no trail cam on, on food sources or on no. fields because it's all nocturnal. Right. So we run everything back in the timber, uh, either a mobile cam or something that we can drive to mm-hmm. or something that we can, you know, check you, when we you go hunting. Walk the creek, you yeah. know, back. And, and we do a lot of the we, we do a lot of a creek walking too, a lot of deep draw walking, yeah, stuff like that. But uh, one we, thing, sorry. Go oh, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say one thing that might help you guys out, and I learned this from uh, Killer Food Plots. Uh, Nick Percy, he's the owner of Killer Food Plots. He's taught me so much about food plots and how to draw those you know, nocturnal deer that are just hanging out in the woods out into your field center. A lot of times a big mature buck, he'll come walking across, you know, he'll be 50 or 60 yards in the woods, but he can see out into that field and see that there's nothing there. Uh, But he has a product. um, There's a smoke screen and border patrol. Border patrol, that stuff will grow, you know, 10 plus feet tall. If you put that on the edge of your woods and you blocked the view of that deer from being able to see out into that field, you're going to then draw that deer to the edge of that field because he wants to be able to see if there's any hot does out in this field. Or e- even if you put that on the edge of your field and you made a path through the middle of your food pot, covering up the back half of it where you were sitting, it would then force him to come over and check the other side of that. I like that because tactic he, a yeah, lot. Yeah. He solid. cannot see what's in the other side of that, you know? Yeah, that's some next level stuff right there. I like <laughs> that. I like when we get that tactic that I'm like, okay, whoa. Yeah, that's, that's out we, of the we box. We should do that. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's definitely. What did you say it was called? Uh, Border Patrol. Border Patrol. Okay. Border, yeah. yeah, and we'll, I, we'll jot that down. It's probably like a sorghum. Yeah, it, and um, like I said, I, I'm not 100% an expert on it yet. I'm still learning. But if you guys uh, want to talk to Nick with uh, Keller Food Plots, and I can actually uh, give you guys his number after the show. And, man, he can help you uh, just be that much more successful with all his knowledge. Like I said, he is amazing. Yeah, if he's got some tactics like that, I, I, <laughs> I know he's got some other stuff hidden right? in there. So yeah, that, that's and, a super the, solid tip. Like I've, I've been in the booth with him and everybody just wanting to come up and shake his hands and tell them, their success stories like man this works so great for me i can't believe i didn't think of that he just i mean he's like i said he's awesome with that stuff man just naturally comes to him that's yeah. pretty sweet yeah well he's been studying it for so many years and like i said he started his own business and he's really successful with it and like i said he's one of the people that's really inspired me to want to just take this to the next level you know i see him out there doing it. i'm like man i i want to in a way it's like i want to be like nick and continue to have the success that he's having. And I know that doesn't come without hard work. And that's, uh, that's what I'm striving for. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because, you know, a lot of people think that you can just, you know, kind of roll into the woods, you know, around the rut and, you know, get it done on a buck that's just passing through. And I mean, early seasons, pretty tough you know at least for us you know just like we said after they shed the velvet it's kind of a a crapshoot for a little span there and then seems like late october you know they kind of get back on a pattern that we've seen the year before so so um what's one thing you're doing right now to help your success in the fall i know you said that you'll go out and scout and i'm sure you've probably got some cams out now um anything else that you're doing right now to help you 
in the one of the things that I like to do early season is because right now you could bump a deer out of its bed and by the time the season starts he's going to come back to that bed he's going to feel comfortable I'll, I'll go out and I will look for deer beds I'll look for buck beds and I'll try to find you know where these deer are hanging out and where I think they're bedding the most because like I said for me chances are right now if I can find their beds I know they're going to be in that area come hunting season and I, I think you know being able to find a deer's bed is is the key to harvesting it even in a field because if you can find his bed then you know i can set up in between this and that food to be able to harvest that animal and uh maybe maybe like for you guys like you said you're not having a lot of success in the fields or the deer are coming out after dark if you got a lot of deep woods the chances are those deer are probably you know they're bedding in in there somewhere yeah, for sure. I killed one off a bed uh, a couple years ago, but I have never killed a deer on a field edge in my in my life. <laughs> so I'm always in the woods. I mean, I've killed does. I mean, bucks, nice bucks yeah. on a field. I've never done it. Uh, that's just, hey, there, there's no doubt. There there is some tricks to hunting. Yeah, there's fields, there's man. people that that do it every year. I'm not yeah. saying it can't be done. It's just not something that on the properties that I hunt. It's either in CRP grass or deep in a timber. The buck I shot this year, you literally cannot get any deeper on the property in the timber yeah, than I was at. Absolutely. <laughs> let, let, let me ask you a question. When you are hunting, do you have most of your success in the mornings or afternoons? My mornings, Morning. all yeah, mornings. Morning. Yep. I say that, that I didn't want to say that, but that's obviously what I would assume that if, if you're hunting deep timber and a lot of brush that you're having most success in the morning. So, which is telling me the properties that you're hunting are probably more bedding areas than feeding areas. Yeah, they're the they're same. going away from me when they're feeding is what they're doing. They're yeah. they're yeah. they're only on my property for two hundred yards and then they're <laughs> all gone. You know. At the at the same time, like I found that like little clearings in your property, like where if you just have like a little bit of oaks or something before they get out to a bean field, can be a huge success too because that deer have a staging area. Like they'll come and they'll start grazing to the woods before they make their way out to that bean field they don't just head straight to it they're i mean they're browsers that's what deer do yep i've d done that exact same thing yeah. where a buck came out early feeding on acorns and we put that tactic in last year and the doe we just didn't catch the doe cycle we were off well, and then you had you got a little clearing right mm -hmm. before an ag field yeah and you put the food plot in and i mean does there in daylight mm -hmm. and bucks there at night and just yeah, bucks, bucks there in the rut, but nothing big. It's just like the big bucks. The field edge that I hunt, that I the only field edge that I can hunt on that particular piece is close to a road, and I don't mm. think they like it. I don't know. I just everybody's deer cruising out there, you know, <laughs> so going yeah. slow, and uh, I just think they. I mean, I've seen some decent deer in it, uh, but it's just not something that I can kill on, you know. But um, yeah, and. What you were just saying, um, kind of back to the tactics I was talking about with Border Patrol, is I, I've got some properties that early season, they, I mean, I've sat at these properties and I've seen 20 to 30 different bucks in this field at a time early season. But everybody can see them by, from the road and people will just, I mean, I'll be sitting there hunting and they'll come by honking, look at all those deer and, you know, they're honking <laughs> at them. Uh, but what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to take that Border Patrol and I'm going to plant like, a five acre row of it down the edge of the road to where they cannot see into that field. It's yep. a good plan. 
So we, we kind of got a problem on one of our, that bean plot. We're going to put a, about an acre and a half bean plot, and it's pretty open from the road. It's far off, though, but the bottom where we're actually going to kill from, I'm thinking, is... I wonder if we could throw that sorghum I got up there yeah, by the road. on the by the road. Yeah. I don't know. We that, could ask him. That field would be beans. Yeah. We could ask him if that's something we could do along the fire break. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely a good tactic. You got to keep... You got to keep the people that not not know just so they they're not wanting to hunt it for one and uh also so if they know that you're hunting and killing big deer there's people out there that will honk and you know try to bump them off that property to make you not successful there's people out there like that so you know like that's happened to me a lot it's like these past couple years um especially this year like since i started uh shooting well since i shot a 200 inch deer everybody that sees my car like they're they're coming to the places i hunt and asking for permission to hunt those places like yeah. <laughs> it's cool i mean it's whatever or i'll just laugh when somebody comes by and honks because they know it's my vehicle and i'm <laughs> hunting with somebody it's just like you want to be mad but in a way it's like okay i'm if i'm accomplished to the point where people want to try to screw up my hunting thank you <laughs> thank you for the acknowledgement that you know i'm killing nice box yeah, yeah. i already shot the 200 incher <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i'm five years from 130 to 190 and people just get closer and closer every year man Shit. stuff that's never been hunted like oh no we're animal hunters we're not gonna let you hunt this boom there's a guy on it i'm like what i've been trying to get on that for six years man <laughs> so yeah. it just it just happens if you keep shooting deer people figure it out and then like where's this guy hunting and then they figure that out they're like what's this car look like and then those ad stickers man you can't have any ad stickers on your truck those will get you every time <laughs> yeah well i see everybody's gonna know who i am now because like I actually, one of my good friends that helps run my web pages, uh, we created uh, <clears throat> my deer, uh, his rack and everything. We got it on our <clears throat> on our actual vehicles and stuff. Now it says uh, Feathernet Outdoors on it, and just you know the size of our deer and the, those types of things. So I, I'm easily recognizable because you can't mistake that sticker for anybody else's. Nice, yeah. I'm not gonna make <laughs> any stickers, <of> my deer. <laughs> I don't want anybody to know that I where I shot that thing. So, but see here, here and. And I, I respect people that want to do that, and that's cool. But for me, I, I'm the type of person, you guys could say to me right now, hey, come come take me hunting in your spot and help me harvest the deer, and I'm going to be like, yeah, man, let's do that because I, I love sharing my success with people and just being able to help them harvest an animal. Like I, I just – I have no ill will towards people wanting to come hunt my deer, maybe in the way that they do it, like thinking that I would be upset if – they come shot a deer or I hunted, just ask me, like literally just ask me and I'll take you because I love doing it. I love seeing other people be successful. I've taken so many people to shoot their first deer. And every time I see that, it brings me back to when I did it. And <laughs> like, I guess that feeling I had that, like I, when I first started, I wanted to make my dad proud because he was a big hunter. And like, I felt like, man, my dad's going to be so proud of me when I do this. And then that 12 pointer that I shot, was uh, my first bow kill my dad was hunting at the same time but he's hunting a little bit farther down and i shot that deer and i just i thought man my dad's so proud of me right now like <laughs> i just i love getting that feeling back every time you know yep that's pretty cool man you know a lot of people a lot of people are chasing that feeling and you know it, that's a it's a good feeling when it all happens 
yeah, I can't, I cannot wait to share that with my own kids. My kids love hunting and they love being in the outdoors. My daughter, since she's a baby, has been coming checking trail cams with me and they both, my son too, they, they still do it to this day. You know, like we go out and we check trail cams and we watch deer together and <clears throat> they'll come out and they'll help me butcher my deer. It's just, I mean, they're, they're little, you know, like I said, two and four and they're, they're used to it, you know? their friends come over and they're like, what is your dad doing? (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, we're butchering a deer. (laughs) Like what's, what's wrong with this? We're going to eat it. Like, so. Yeah. That's something me and homie look forward to, you know, years to come is getting our boys. Our boys are in it more than most. Uh, My kids found more sheds than a lot of grown men. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, uh, but uh, we love getting our kids in. I'll tell you right now, I can, put a lot of people on deer when they're on the hoofs, but once the antlers fall off their head, you guys that go out there and find sheds more power to you. Cause I'm terrible at it. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're in the right spot though. Yeah. yeah. You're there. I'd rather kill, kill them than find, <laughs> find the racks. <laughs> you know, I was, I seen some like meme on social media that said something along the lines of people that go out and find all these sheds are for, the guys that didn't kill a deer. That's about how I am. Yeah. I only yeah. kill one. So I'm like, I got to find some sheds, yeah. to make my horn, my horn porn collection, <laughs> pile it up. So, yeah, man, I, I got, I mean, I got a good accumulative amount, but like my success rate of just going out and finding them, I'm like one to two a year. And I'm frustrated at the point where it's like, I'm going to leave this to the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just walk a lot. That's the only tip I yeah. can give to shed hunters. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. But all right, man. We appreciate your time. Uh, we think this is a a great first edition of the Legend of the Wood series, and your buck definitely was a legend. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to follow your your hunting career. And uh, we made the connection. Now I'll be following on social, watching you drop another giant. Hey, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me on and uh, giving me this opportunity. Well, they don't get much bigger than 215. They don't, and they don't get much better than a couple of the off-the-wall tactics that he uses to to be able to get it done. Big takeaway on this, the food plot tactic, super solid. The starting on the field edge, going back on multiple different trails instead of just banking on that buck coming to the field edge early Mm -hmm. season, that was super key. And then, you know, using past experience, I mean – yeah, and that was I, a super solid tactic. I and and I say in there, you know, I know not everybody has a two hundred inch deer on cam, but you know, if you have that one fifty and then you don't get him, you know, then you have that one fifty, you know, two years later, you know, a different one fifty two years later. Like just use what you've learned from that first one fifty, why you didn't get it done, and apply that to that second one fifty and slow the encounters down. I mean, I have that problem myself. And, and, you know, I mean, you got a 190 rolling in on you in November. I mean, you, you still have that same, that same issue, but that's, that could be the difference between you getting it done and you not getting it done. Yeah. Cause I was, I was literally slivers away from not getting it done. Yeah. I mean, and then you just nailed it. So, well, I mean, <laughs> I think, I think that was a great tactic. And like I said, this is the legend of the wood series, but I think even if, even if it's a legendary buck, if someone is out there shooting their first buck or something, they can take this knowledge and they can relate it to any any situation. Or if your biggest buck is a 130 and you're hunting a 140 or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's still a mature deer that you're struggling with. And just like he says in this episode, 
a 200 is no different than a 150 mature deer. You know what I mean? So there's a lot to take away from this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, get out there, do some preseason work, and uh, White to Legacy's out. Oh, hey, and leave a legacy. <laughs> <laughs>